What's up, guys? Brian Ratliff here. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning in to Keep the Faith Podcast. Grab your Bibles and let's dig in to the Word of God. On October 26, 1984, Michael Jordan made his debut NBA appearance. On that day, he had 16 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, 4 blocks, 2 steals, and 5 unfortunate turnovers. However, their team did beat the Washington Bullets, now the Washington Wizards, 109-93. to While this was not his best game, it was the spark of the greatest NBA career we have yet to see. Throughout his rookie year alone, Jordan started in all 82 regular season games for the Chicago Bulls and led his team to the playoffs. In fact, we are told that their team won 11 more games that his rookie season than he did the previous year. He actually averaged 28.2 points per game, 6.5 rebounds, 5.9 assists, 2.5 steals, and .8 blocks every single game. Not only did he win the Rookie of the Year, but he led the league in points scored. What a debut appearance by Michael Jordan for NBA. How amazing that was, and Ultimately, I would say that no other, no other person playing in the NBA's rookie year even compares to his rookie year. As we think about his NBA debut appearance, I began to meditate on the thought that, that as great of an athlete as he was, and listen, he took sports, all sports, to a whole new level for us. But his appearance that day doesn't even compare. I mean, it, it pales in comparison when we think about the post-resurrection appearance of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. I mean, we're talking about how God the Son, who died on Calvary's cross, was placed in a borrowed tomb, Joseph's tomb, didn't even have enough money to, to pay for his own plot of the cemetery. And there, after three days, the Bible says his tomb was empty, and then he makes his appearance to, not his disciples first, but to a woman named Mary. And I submit to you today that that event is the greatest appearance of all time of any human being that's ever set foot on God's green earth. And today, the title of my message is simply this, The Day the Resurrected Messiah Made His Debut Appearance. The Day the Resurrected Messiah Made His Debut Appearance. His appearance trumps every other appearance that we can think about in politics, in ethics, in accolades of scholarship, and even in sports. Jesus the resurrected Messiah, declared to all the world that he conquered death, hell, and the grave. Before we go any further, as we think about the resurrection, the thought that I want you to walk away with as we think about these different sermons on the resurrection is simply this thought. I can't be any clearer than this thought, as I shared last week. If you do not believe in Christ's resurrection, then you are not a Christian. If you do not affirm that Jesus rose from the grave, there is no way you can be a follower of Jesus Christ. 
just to kind of recap of, of where we are. Remember, Jesus, after he rose again, he made his appearance, and then he was on the earth for 40 days, and he taught his disciples and anybody who wanted to hear him about Scripture. But just to kind of give us context, an earthquake shook the ground, the stone was rolled away, the two angels show up, and the guards were scared plumb to death. Meanwhile, a group of women are on their way to visit the tomb to finish the burial process when they noticed that the stone was rolled away. Mary Magdalene in that moment ran to tell Peter and John that the tomb was empty and they didn't know where the Lord's body went. The other women, who were still at the tomb, were visited by these two angels who affirmed Jesus is risen and commanded them to go inform the disciples. With fear and joy, these ladies left to tell the other disciples, but the disciples were skeptical of the women's story. Around that same time, Peter and John raced to the tomb to find out that the tomb is sure enough empty, as Mary Magdalene said, and she followed close behind. That is where we are as we come to Matthew 28, verse 9. And as I shared with you last week, as we study the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they do not contradict each other. What they do is complement each other. We have four different perspectives on these crucial events. And Matthew doesn't always share what Mark says, and Luke doesn't always share what they said, and John sometimes adds or takes away from some of the things that they said. In other words, he says extra or he might leave stuff out. But when you combine all of them, we have the full picture of what Jesus was like in his post-resurrection scene. The key thought I want to give to you for today's message specifically is this. The day Jesus appeared to Mary was the day he displayed his resurrected glory. The day Jesus appeared to Mary was the day he displayed his resurrected glory. Before we get into verse number 9, I have to take you to John chapter 20 because we we'll see his very first appearance, his debut appearance, is not to Peter, it's not to James, and it's not to John. You might think it would be, but it's not. And in fact, remember, as I shared with you last week, in their culture, in the Jewish court, if, if you'd march in as a woman, your word was not taken seriously and was not deemed as a credible source. And so they had to have two or three witnesses, and those two or three witnesses had to be men. And so it's interesting that, that the angels visit the women first and that Jesus' first appearance is, is not to a man, but to a woman. And in John chapter 20, we see that John writes about this event and this first scene that we're going to look at. We're going to look at five scenes today. And remember, as we're walking through these post-resurrection events, we're, we're seeking to discover what the Bible teaches about the events of the Messiah surrounding his resurrection. And my goal in these next several sermons is to chronologically walk us through the best that I know of what went on after Jesus rose from the grave in those 40 days. And the first scene is on resurrection morning, appearance number one, and it, it is this. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene at the tomb. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene at the tomb. And in John chapter 20 and verses 11 through 18, we see that these, these men, Peter and John, they have come, they've raced to the, to the tomb, and there they've seen that the tomb is now empty with their own eyes, and they leave away. And in verse 11, the Bible says that in John 20, that Mary is there alone. Verse 11, it says that not only is she at the grave alone, but she is weeping. 
And the Bible says that as she was crying, she stoops down and she looks into the grave or the sepulcher or the tomb. And in there she sees these two angels that are in white. One is at the head and the other is at the feet where the body of Jesus once laid. And they look at her and they say, woman, why are you crying? Now let's pause. I think sometimes in our culture we think that this term woman is a derogatory term. But it's not. It's not like these angels are saying woman in a disrespectful fashion. In fact, the same word that we would use today in their term would be ma'am. This is a title of respect here. So just as Jesus called his own mother woman or ma'am, he is now looking at, or excuse me, these angels are looking at Mary Magdalene and saying woman or ma'am, why are you crying? And she says, because they've taken the Lord's body, and I don't know where they've laid him. Verse 14, the Bible says that she goes on. After she said that, she turns around and she, she actually sees Jesus, but does not recognize him as Jesus. Not for sure how, but, but I will say this, that as I read this passage, as I think about this scene, that, that we will never recognize Jesus as the Son of God as he said he was unless God steps in and pulls the veil of blindness off of our eyes. So you might be here today, and you might read the Bible. You might have read through the whole Bible, and you might have heard about this thing called Jesus and the gospel and the crucifixion and the resurrection. You might have heard it all. But until God steps in the equation in his Holy Spirit and removes the blinders from your eyes, you will not see Jesus as he is, the glorified Son of God and the resurrected Lamb. And so here, she, for some reason, doesn't see him as he is in this moment. And Jesus, again, here he says, just like his mom that he said back in John's gospel, I believe it's chapter 2 about the marriage. And then here, as the angel said, he says, woman, or in other words, he says, ma'am, why are you crying? Who are you seeking? And she thought he was the gardener. <laughs> I guess in a sense he was a gardener. <laughs> he planted the seed of everlasting life <laughs> into the world. Isn't that awesome? Here, here it says that, that he is, is mistakenly called a gardener. And she says, sir... Notice the terminology, woman or ma'am, if you will. And he is received another title, sir. Says, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him. In other words, if you've taken him and put him in another place, will you please just tell me where he is so I can go see him for myself? And then Jesus says her name. There was a day in my life, give God all the glory that he called out my name specifically and I understood what the gospel meant in that moment and there I bowed my knee and confessed that Jesus is Lord and my friend if that has never been a time in your life you need to do it now and here he says Mary and as soon as she heard him say her name she turned and she recognized that voice and she says Rabboni or in other words master and in verse 17 the Bible says, Jesus said, do not touch me. He says, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and tell them I ascend to my father and your father and to my God and to your God. And the Bible says in verse 18 that, that, that after this scene, Mary ran and she went to tell these disciples. But, but they, it says here, it says, it says Mary came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. 
from verse 18. Here is the very first scene, the very first appearance. Now let's pause and let's think about this, that God the Son, this is the, this is the Savior of the world. This is the same one that spoke creation into existence. He is the same one that put all the constellations in place in outer space. He's the same one that came and inhabited humanity and died on the cross. And now here he is making his debut appearance, not to one of the 12 apostles, but to a woman. To a woman. And I think that he made the statement to say that it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, you can be a credible source about the post-resurrection experience and witness. And today as we think about this, we think about how you as a woman of God and you as a man of God have seen the resurrected Messiah through his word and now we are to be witnesses or truth bearers or, or light tellers of this great news about Jesus being risen from the grave. And we don't just celebrate that on Easter weekend. We celebrate that every Sunday, 52 Sundays out of the year, when we gather collectively and worship Christ together. And so, as we think about this, in our culture, we could come up with all these crazy excuses of why I shouldn't tell people about Jesus. And Mary, she could have, she could have done it. She could have. She could have been, listen, this, this, was, the, this was the woman that had, that had seven devils in her, or seven demons, and Jesus cast them all out. We're not told about all the details of that, but here's a woman who he would think that is not qualified to any degree to tell people about Jesus. But she comes and she sees the resurrected Messiah and then the resurrected Messiah gives her a special commission to go tell the disciples. Pretty cool if you ask me. The same morning, he makes his appearance. I, I just find this mesmerizing. He appears to Mary Magdalene first. And in that day, remember, the day Jesus appeared to Mary was the day he displayed his resurrected glory. For the first time in the world, people displayed or saw his glory through his resurrection. But the second appearance is not again to Peter, James, and John. It's to the other women. So now if you would go back to Matthew chapter 28 and we'll look at verses 9 and 10. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 9 and 10, we see the second appearance that, that Jesus makes is, is to the other women on their way to tell the disciples the good news. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, And they went to tell his disciples. So remember, they just saw this vision of these two angels. Remember, one gospel says there was one man there, one young man. Another one says there were two young men there. And then one says there was the angel of the Lord. And then the other one says that there were two angels. So the best of our understanding is these were two angels that were there that day. And they, they saw this vision of these two angels there at the tomb. And the angel said, go tell the disciples. And so they're running to tell the disciples in verse 8, this Bible says. And in verse 9, the Bible says they come to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them on their way to tell the disciples. So here we have, uh, we have, many sources here. The women go to the tomb and they see the empty tomb. They see the angels there and now they're going to have not just the empty tomb, not just the angels, angels but they're going to have Jesus as a reference. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good source if you ask me. But here in verse number 9, the Bible says that Jesus met them saying, all hail and they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Remember the term worship throughout the New Testament? It gives the sense that they, just like your dog, is going to come to you as your master. You're the master of the dog, in a sense. And they come, as you feed that dog, it's going to come and lick you. In other words, they're going to bow down and just serve you. 
And, and, and it gives the same idea here, that, that worship is we come and we bow before the feet of Jesus and we are his servant and he is our master. And that's what they're doing here. They recognize him as the Lord, the resurrected Lord. They bow down to him and they begin to worship him. And then he, he says to them, be not afraid. In other words, do not be afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there shall they see me. This is the commission that God gave to these women. If you would, Great Commission Part A is for women to go tell the disciples. And then Great Commission Part B is for everybody to go tell the world that Jesus has risen from the grave. So the first aspect of the Great Commission here is we see that Jesus appears to these women. He tells them, now, now I find this amazing that first he would appear to a woman who at once was possessed by demons and he cast them out in his life. And now he appears to these other women. And I think that God is just saying, hey, I know in your Jewish mind, you don't view in this Roman culture, you don't view women as being a credible source, but they are to me. And so I know that we have a lot going on about women in our world today, but I want you to know that women have a special role in sharing the gospel, and they have a special role in the work of the local church and the church at large. They do. God can use women in very great ways, very similar to how he's used men throughout the years as well. And here, I want you to understand that just because you're a woman does not mean God can't use you. Jesus appears to the other women on their way to tell the disciples the good news. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene at the tomb. But here in Matthew's gospel, verse 11 through 15, we see the third scene that took place on resurrection morning. The guards report to the Jewish rulers. If you don't believe in conspiracies, here's one that you have to believe in. That they tried to take the body away and stage the resurrection. Look at verse 11. The Bible says, Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch, that is these guards that were there. Remember, these guards that were there, they, they, they were frightened by this, these angels that came and rolled this, the stone that was gone. And, and so now they're going back into the city. And they, the Bible says in verse 11 that they come before the chief priests. And, and, and the Bible says in verse 12, the elders. So imagine this Sanhedrin. Remember, that's the group of 70 people, the leaders, elders, and chief priests. And then when you add the high priest, you have 71 making up the leaders in Israel. And so they come to them. And in this kind of Jewish court system, they delivered this concept that they had money to give to these soldiers. And these soldiers were to go around saying the disciples came late at night when it was dark and nobody could see. And somehow they rolled the stone away, grabbed the body, and took it. And the Bible says that in verse 14 that these, the Sanhedrin or the religious leaders, the elders and chief priests, said that if this goes before the governor, if it goes before Pilate, it goes before the leaders, that we will be on your side and tell them what took place. So just as Judas, Judah, Judas betrayed the Messiah with some pieces of silver, here we see that these soldiers and these scribes are trying to betray the Lord in a resurrected state. And the Bible says that they took the money and did as they were told. 
And the Bible says that when Matthew is writing the gospel of Matthew, that's what it says, that's what it means here, that and this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. And this is still a popular theory about what went on in resurrection morning, but I want you to know that it's not the reality. The reality is the disciples didn't come and steal the body of Jesus. The reality is, is that Jesus was gone before they even rolled the stone away. And if you do not believe in Christ's resurrection, my friend, you are not a Christian. The day that Jesus appeared to Mary and these other women was the day that he displayed his resurrected glory. My friends, that's what took place on resurrection morning. But now let's shift and let's think about resurrection afternoon and evening. And we see the fourth scene is the third appearance. And that is in Luke chapter 24. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 and verse 13. And here we have the famous... Emmaus Road. And this scene, the fourth scene today of five, is Jesus appears to the two disciples on their way to Emmaus. And this takes place from verse 13 down to verse 32. So let's try to walk through this. It says, Behold, these, these two men were on their way to this village called Emmaus in verse 13. And the Bible says it was a little journey away. And then verse 14, the Bible says they, they talked among themselves about the things that happened. So in, in their mind, they're just they're literally call, recalling to their mind what took place and what they've just seen. And so then the Bible says it comes to pass in verse 15 that as they were communing and talking and walking down together and reasoning within themselves about what took place, the Bible says that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So here he comes, he begins to walk with them. And then he asked them a question. And in fact, verse 16, it says that their eyes were holding that they should not know him. So they didn't recognize him again. Again, I say this, until God steps in and pulls off the blinders, you'll not see him for as he is. And then here it says in verse 17, he says, Jesus says, what manner of communication are these that you have one to another as you walk? And are you sad? In other words, he says, what are you talking about? And why is it making you sad? And then they begin to speak, and the, one of them was Cleopas. And the Bible says that, it, that they began to talk about, uh, about the events, about how Jesus was brutally crucified, and how they placed them in the tomb. They put the stone roll right in front of the empty, about the tomb there, before it was empty. And, and the Bible says here that they're recalling how, how the guards were placed there, how the women were on their way to visit this tomb, and then these angels showed up, and then they are saying the tomb is empty, and, and they're trying to figure out what all this stuff meant. And then look at verse 22. speaks about these women there. And in all this stuff, they declared that they didn't see the, the body in the tomb anymore. And then Jesus, in verse 25, begins to, to talk to them. It is very apparent that these two, on their way to Emmaus, had, had, had some doubts about what went on that day and about how we thought this was the Messiah, that if he was going to come and redeem Israel, and if he was the Messiah, then why did he die? And so Jesus, the Bible says that he begins with the writings of Moses. That is the first five books of the Bible. We attribute him as being the human penman. And then the Bible says that not only him, but all the prophets. 
Now, does this mean that Jesus went from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to Malachi? I don't know. I don't think so. But what it does mean is that he generally went through the Bible, the Old Testament, and revealed to them why he was the Messiah and all the things that he was supposed to do. In other words, I think he summarized it. And then, as they are continuing to walk, it's getting, getting late, and they invite him to stay. And he begins to eat a meal, and then he disappears. And that's what took place on that event, at least in a nutshell. Verse 31 says, And their eyes were open, and that moment they realized who he was, and they knew him. And then he vanishes out of their sight. And then they said, didn't, didn't our hearts burn within us when he was talking to us about all these different things? And when he opened scripture and revealed it, that's appearance three. He comes to these two disciples on this road to Emmaus. And then the fifth and final thought, which is appearance four today, is Jesus appears to Peter. Look at verse 33 down to verse 35. The Bible says that, that after this, they got up the same hour and they went to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven gathered together, and they said to them, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. So remember, he came to Mary and the women first. And they're sharing all this stuff, and they probably have all their doubts about it. But now these two men show up and say, Hey, listen, the Lord is risen indeed. He is. What the women said is true. So now we see that lives are beginning to believe the affirmation that Jesus rose from the grave outside of those women. But then in verse 35, or excuse me, verse 34, the Bible says that the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. So here, here we see that the, excuse me, these two people come, these two disciples come to the upper room here where they're meeting and these people, these 11, they are telling to them that the Lord is risen indeed. So they're all affirming together the disciples who had doubts and these two that were on their way who didn't understand the full aspect of Christ being the Messiah. Now they all believe that the Lord is risen and the Bible says here in verse 34 that Jesus also appeared to Simon. That is Simon Peter. We don't know much about this scene, but we do know Scripture speaks about it. In verse 35, it goes on to say, And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking a bread. So there they're gathered together. They're eating food, which is a biblical thing to do for God's people to get together and eat together and then discuss the Bible. That is a great thing to do. But now, I want you, as we think about the same scene, there's another verse that affirms to us that, that Jesus appeared to Peter. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That is the resurrection chapter. That is the chapter of chapters revealing to us that Jesus rose again. And he speaks about how the, the gospel was delivered, how Jesus died according to the scriptures, how he was buried and rose again according to the scriptures. And, and he begins to speak about how he was seen of all these different people. And in 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says in verse 5, the first person that he emphasizes about who saw the resurrected Messiah, I do think it's interesting here, that we know that the women saw him first. But Paul only says that men saw him first. Now, there, my speculation is Paul was just revealing to him these people that these were the men that saw him. And then he shares that he was also seen of 500 people plus. 
Paul was keeping in mind, most likely, the Jewish mind, how they didn't take seriously, I don't know, it was kind of weird, they didn't take a woman's testimony seriously, they only took men's words seriously, and so that is perhaps the reason why Paul is elaborating on why only these men specifically saw him, in addition to the 500. So he goes on to say, verse 5, and that he was seen as Cephas, then the 12, and after that, a 500, and then James and then me. When I was in 12th grade, I went to Franklin County High School back in the, in the country. And my 12th grade English class, our teacher, we were supposed to write some three or five page paper, something like that. And she said, you cannot use Wikipedia. It is not a reliable source. And this was quite a while ago. Maybe not as far back as some of you find brothers and sisters, but it was a few years ago. Uh, <laughs> but I think the reason why at that time they, they didn't want us to use Wikipedia is because, you know, at that time you could just get on there and anybody could put whatever they wanted to on, like if you typed in, uh, if you just typed in like Joe Biden's name or Donald Trump's name or Michael Jordan's name or LeBron James, you know, you could just go up and anybody could put whatever they want in there. And Here's a quote, which is actually, my source is Wikipedia here. Uh, but anyways, it says this, because this is the reasons why Wikipedia doesn't, or some people don't consider them as a credible source, but it says, because as a user-generated source, it can be edited by anyone at any time. Any information it contains at a particular time could be vandalism, a work in progress, or just plain wrong. And that's why... If you go to a university and you use Wikipedia as a source, which I've done because I just love, I, I, get, I get a kick out of seeing my professor's red pen saying this is not a credible source. I get a kick out of it. Because listen to this. Here's why I think that Wikipedia is more than a non-reliable source these days. The first thing, if you typed in anything, if you type in a city, if you type in a person's name, if you type in an event, the first web link that pops up, guess what it is? Wikipedia. It's the first source that you're going to run to, that I'm going to run to about anything. Another thought here is I think that Wikipedia is often more accurate than news media outlets. Um, and then also, Wikipedia, unlike other sources, has a list of documentation at the very bottom of the page. And then these days, it is more primitive than what it used to be 15 or so years ago, is that when there needs to be a cited source there, it puts in parentheses, source needed. Now, I will say that if you go to a university, if you study at the undergraduate level, graduate level, or postgraduate level, you're not going to be taken seriously if you use Wikipedia. I understand that. But that does not negate the fact that Wikipedia contains accurate information. And I say all that to say this, that just as we view Wikipedia as a non-credible source, these people viewed women as a non-credible source. And Jesus made his first appearance to women Reminding us that if it's a factual statement that's being delivered, the source does not matter. The day Jesus appeared to Mary was the day he displayed his resurrected glory. And my friends, I close with this thought. If you do not believe in Christ's resurrection, then you are not a Christian. 
What's up, guys? Brian here again. Just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to today's episode. You can check out this full message at PastorBrianRalph.com or Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. Keep the Faith is a ministry of Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. If you're free one Sunday or Wednesday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. Until next time, God bless. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. Keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith.